This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Today we're excited to be kicking off a brand new series here at Courageous Church called The Future is Bright. It is our absolute hope that through this series you'll be greatly encouraged by what God is doing in the world and his invitation for you to be a part of it. And what extraordinary times we're living in. 2020 has proven to be a pretty crazy year, am I right? I can honestly tell you that when we started this year, just a few months into planting Courageous Church, we couldn't have imagined that we would be smack dab right in the middle of a global pandemic and viral shutdown. I don't know that anyone saw that coming, but here we are. Indeed, a brief survey of the world and what's going on all around us right now might tend to cast a shadow on things, but we believe this, that our God is bigger than the world and its problems. Our God is stronger than any enemy that may come against us, and our God's light is brighter than any attempt to hide it or snuff it out. The Apostle John, writing in his gospel about Jesus in John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. No matter what darkness has tried to overcome the light, it keeps shining, it keeps expanding, it keeps on moving with great velocity and with great intensity because Jesus cannot be stopped. And the good news is that what Jesus is building on the earth cannot be stopped either. So what is he building? Not temples made with human hands. He's building a courageous church. That's you and that's me. Just ordinary folks who have encountered this extraordinary God. A God who loves extraordinarily and who came looking for us while we were yet lost, fumbling around in the darkness. In his relentless grace and unyielding mercy, he rescued us from our despair and he brought us out of darkness and he transferred us into his kingdom of marvelous light so that we too could shine bright. Jesus speaking to his followers in Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 said this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Church, I'm here to tell you today that you are the light of the world and God is calling you to arise and shine so that others will see your good works, others will see your light and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's for this reason alone that I believe along with many others who have gone before me that the future is bright. Throughout this series, we're going to explore why we believe that and why I believe you can too. To accomplish this, we'll be looking at some healthy and biblical perspectives on the kingdom of God, the church, and these end times that we're living in. We'll also be talking about heaven and hell and the second coming of Christ and why that matters for us today. And then we'll wrap it all up by discussing what our response is and should be as God's people of light living in the midst of this present darkness. So no matter where you find yourself today, whether fearful or afraid, whether confused or frustrated, whether confident or secure, 
We believe that we have a great hope in the midst of it all. And his name is Jesus. And the future belongs to him and him alone. As a result, we can confidently declare that the future is, in fact, very bright. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Open our hearts now to receive your word in Jesus' name. For those of you taking notes, the title of this message today is Kingdom Business. So let's talk about the kingdom of God and why it should matter to you. First and foremost, the kingdom of God is conceptually found all throughout the Bible, all throughout the scriptures, both in the Old and the New Testaments. Although the expression, the kingdom of God, does not occur in the Old Testament, the idea of it is found everywhere, and most specifically, in the writings of the prophets and the kings. In them, God is frequently spoken of as the king, both of Israel and of all the earth. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 15, speaks of God in this exact way. He says this, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. As does the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 18, as I live, declares the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. David, who was an earthly appointed king, wrote about God this way as well. In Psalm chapter 29, verse 10, he says this, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. And then in Psalm 47, verse 2, the sons of Korah echo this as well. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. So biblically speaking, God is both king over the earth and in a special way over his people Israel. God's rule is therefore something realized in Israel's actual history. However, it's only partially realized because Israel and her prophets also looked forward to a day and age when God's rule would be more fully experienced, not just by Israel, but by the whole world. And as the church, that's our hope as well, that the world would come to know and recognize God as king. Most clearly defined, the kingdom of God is the rulership of God as king. We often speak about this reality as God's dynamic rule and reign over the heavens and the earth. The word kingdom itself actually derives from two Latin words, rex meaning king and domus meaning house. It's where we get the word domain from. The kingdom is essentially where the king has domain. The king's domain would obviously involve the land, but also include his sovereignty over the people who live there as well. The word dominion, stemming from a similar Latin root word, dominus, is the actual asserting of power and authority over a domain. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So, conceptually speaking, and to bring it all together for us, the kingdom of God is where the king has domain and where he asserts his power and authority over it. As the people of God, this is so critical for us to understand. And that's what we see in the writings of the prophets, the priests, the poets, and the kings of the Old Testament. Interestingly, in the intersection between the Old and the New Testament, we also see people like John the Baptist show up on the scene, announcing that the kingdom of God was near. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 2 says this, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What was John 
the baptizer essentially saying? He was saying that the rulership of God as king was breaking forth in a new way, that it was at hand, which was why he was so busy preparing the people for it. Little did John know that the kingdom was in fact closer than he knew. And we see this most vividly in the Gospels of the New Testament with the arrival of Jesus as Messiah and King. Jesus came announcing and declaring the kingdom of God, or as it's often referred to in the Gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven. They are actually synonymous and interchangeable terms that refer to the same reality, so don't get confused. Jesus' message, like John's, was that the rulership of God as king was breaking in, and in fact, it had already begun because the time leading up to it had been fulfilled. Listen to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Now after John, the baptizer, was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, as I've said before, the gospel is the good news about what God has been doing in the world since the arrival of Jesus. And Jesus came announcing good news about this kingdom being at hand, meaning it was close and near. You could literally reach out and touch it. And people did because Jesus himself was the very embodiment of the kingdom. Jesus as prophet, priest, and king came announcing and declaring the kingdom of God. And in doing so, he came to more fully carry it out. Meaning there was something about Jesus's arrival on the scene that brought about a fuller manifestation of God's rulership and authority and power as expressed over our world and its issues. And we see this play out in a myriad of ways. Number one, Jesus heals the sick. As king, Jesus asserts kingdom power over sickness and disease. Matthew 4, verses 23 through 24 says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. This is why as a church we pray for and believe God for healing, because Jesus as king has dominion over every sickness and disease. Notice that the text proclaims that Jesus healed every disease and sickness among the people. How awesome is it that Jesus' power knows no limits or bounds? It's actually good news for us because it means that there's no disease, hear me on this, there's no sickness that Jesus can't heal. Maybe you're watching today and you have a disease or a sickness in your body that you're contending with and you're believing God to bring healing. Can we join our faith with yours and speak healing over you today? I want to do that right now. Wherever you're watching from or listening from, we, we speak the life and healing of God over you. Jesus, you're the healer, and we ask for you to bring healing power to your people today. Amen. How else does Jesus assert God's rulership and dominion over our world? Number two, Jesus teaches with authority. As king, Jesus asserts kingdom authority over the wise. Matthew chapter 13, verse 54 in the NLT says this, He returned to Nazareth, his hometown, when he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and this power from to do miracles? The people in Jesus' day, including those who grew up with him, couldn't understand where Jesus got all this wisdom from. They couldn't understand how this carpenter's son had so much authority when he spoke. 
and performed all of the miracles that he did. We see this in Jesus' life early on as well. When he was left in Jerusalem as a 12-year-old, the scriptures tell us this in Luke chapter 2, verses 46 through 47. After three days, they found Jesus in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, we know that Jesus increased in wisdom and favor with God and man because he was submitted to his parents' rule as delegated to them by his Father in heaven. Just listen to the rest of the passage, verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with both God and man. How else does Jesus assert God's rulership and dominion over our world? Number three, Jesus casts out demons. As king, Jesus asserts kingdom power and authority over demonic and unclean spirits. Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 32 says this, And when Jesus came to the other side, two demonized men met him, coming out of the tomb so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged Jesus, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And Jesus said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down to the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. As we spoke about last week, the conclusion of our Save series... We actually have an enemy, and his name is Satan. And we're in a spiritual battle with demonic forces of evil in heavenly places that want nothing more than to torment and destroy us. Ironically, this is what the demons fear most, to be tormented and destroyed. They ask Jesus, are you here to torment us before the time? In other words, are you here to banish us for good? As we know from reading the book of Revelation, there is coming a time where Jesus will cast the devil and his demons into what the Bible calls a lake of fire to be utterly tormented and banished for good. It's also referred to as the second death. But interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't do that here. He instead sends them into a herd of swine, and the swine rush down into the sea and are drowned. So, Jesus asserts his kingdom power over demonic forces and principalities. Which is also why, as a church, we believe God has given us power and authority to do the same. Hear me on this. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 in the ESV says this, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name. Whose name? Jesus' name. In Jesus' name they will cast out demons. Jesus actually says that as his followers, we will do this in his name, which confers upon us his delegated rule and right. Remember, it's not our power, it's not our authority, it's his. Because once again, it's his kingdom. So, in all these ways, and there are many more, we get a sense of the kingdom of God being made manifest in and through the present life and present ministry of Jesus. Jesus himself testifies to this as being the fulfillment of what the prophets said was going to happen when the king comes. Luke chapter 4, verse 17 through 21, one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible, it says this, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, meaning Jesus, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of the, those that were in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In this way, we would say that the kingdom of God is both present and now. It's, it's realized. It's fulfilled. Depicted by Jesus' gospel proclamations, his power, his authority, and all the miracles that he performed. But at the same time, there are also ways in which the kingdom of God is still future and not yet. Meaning, it hasn't been fully consummated yet. And we're going to speak about that in the next few weeks. In the meantime, why does all of this matter for us today? I, I'm, I'm sure you're wondering that. Well, in the same way that the scriptures tell us that Jesus had to be about his father's business, I believe that we too, as the people of God, as the church, are called to do the same, to be about his kingdom business. And so I want to spend the remainder of our time today providing you some practical ways that I believe we can do just that. Just as Jesus came announcing the good news about the kingdom of God, I believe that we too are called to do the same thing. So, our first order of business is this. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. As we saw earlier, Jesus' message about the nearness of God's kingdom was also accompanied with the declaration, the command to repent and believe it. The word repent here means to change your mind. What Jesus is inviting you and inviting me to do is this, to change our minds, and in doing so, to change our beliefs. The truth is, every belief that you hold about God, about yourself, about others, about your family or kids or career, is either informed by the kingdom of God or it isn't. Meaning, it's either under the rule of God or the rule of something else. We know from the scriptures that there are only a few options here. Either you're under the rule of God or the rule of your flesh or the devil or the world. And in a few weeks, we're going to talk about these areas within our life that we need to constantly and consistently confront. But for now, the question remains, have you changed your mind and beliefs about God? Or are you still hanging on to the old? Do you still believe you're the best one to be left in charge with your life? Or have you surrendered control of it yet? That's the question. And I think for most of us, if we're being honest, we still struggle in the area of control. Why? Because we want to preserve our life, when in reality, God is calling us to lay it down. Jesus said this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. If you're looking to try and hold on to your life as you know it, including your own thoughts and things and relationships, you're going to lose and you're going to lose big. But if you're looking to find his life, the life of the kingdom, and you're willing to let go of control and to lay down the rights to yourself, you're going to win. And you're going to win big because you're going to have the life of Christ in all of its fullness, which means that the kingdom of God is not just going to be near to you. It's going to reside within you. Jesus went on to say this about the kingdom of God in Luke chapter 17, verse 21. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The Apostle Paul in his commentary on the kingdom of God in Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, 
and joy in the Holy Spirit. Friends, ultimately, this is what God wants for your life and for mine. He wants you to be so full of his righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit so that no matter what happens to you, no matter what comes your way, no matter what pandemics arise or what your government decides to do about it, come on, you don't have to freak out and you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because your security is found in Jesus and his kingdom alone. Because you're living well within the domain of the king. Because Jesus, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords is now the manager or director of your life. And his dominion and power and authority is yours. And not only will he meet your needs according to his riches and glory, but he actually knows what's best for your life, which means that you can trust him with it. Amen? Amen. And that's the invitation I want to make today. Maybe you've never repented or changed your mind and believed the good news about the kingdom. Well, today is your day, my friend. And he's calling you to step out and to make a decision, to make a choice. In just a few moments, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to do just that. Our second order of business today is this. Admit and receive. Admit and receive. Admit what, Pastor Jason? Admit that you don't have it all figured out. Admit that you need God's help. You see, the truth I've come to discover about God is this. He won't force himself upon you, and he won't force you to change. I know sometimes we wish that God would just wave his big magic cosmic wand and make everything better for us, but this is about a relationship and a journey. And as it turns out, our relationship with God is a journey. He's far more interested, hear me on this, he's far more interested in the person you're becoming with him than he is the person you've become without him. Meaning most of us have done life on our own terms long enough. We've tried and failed long enough. We've walked alone long enough. And as a good, good father and friend, God comes alongside us to say, come on, let's do this thing together. I know this about God. Your life with him will never be the same as it was without him. Yes, he's going to place some demands on your thoughts and behaviors. Yes, he's going to claim a couple things. Why? Because he's the king, and he has every right to do so. After all, it's his kingdom. But friends, make no mistake, you cannot afford to go on living the same way, doing the same things, and thinking this, that somehow something is going to change. You know what that's called, don't you? That's called insanity. That's doing the same thing every day and expecting different results. So he's inviting you to admit that you need to change and to receive his help to do so. As a church, we believe that can only happen in partnership with his Holy Spirit in your life, meaning you're going to need his empowering presence to do what you cannot do for yourself. And the good news is that Jesus promises to give us the Holy Spirit if we ask. So we want to help you to do just that, to receive the Holy Spirit by asking for him today. Remember, the kingdom of God is his righteousness, peace, and joy found in the Holy Spirit. The greatest way that you and I experience the kingdom of God and his righteous rule and dynamic reign in our life is through the coming power and presence of his spirit. As a church, that's actually one of our core values, and we talk about it quite a bit. It's to be a courageous people that are empowered by the spirit. And unless we admit that we need his help and actually ask for his empowerment, nothing's going to change. 
So number one, we repent and believe. Number two, we admit and receive. And our third and final order of business today is this. Number three, we trust and obey. We trust and obey. Did you know that you can believe all the right things about God, but still not actually trust him? How do I know that? Because God will always put a demand on your beliefs by asking you to actually live them out. And you do this through what the scriptures call your obedience to him. Practically speaking, this means when God says, I want you to tell somebody about your decision to follow Christ, you actually tell somebody about your decision to follow Christ. When God says it's time to let go of some things, you actually follow through on that. That could mean canceling your favorite streaming service, come on. That could mean cleaning out your closet and giving some clothes away. That could mean walking away from a comfortable job to do something that might not make a whole lot of sense. I don't know what that looks like for you today. I'm not here to tell you that. But I know that God will speak to your heart about it. The question is, will you follow through on it or not? Will you trust and obey him? 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 in the NLT says this, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. You catch that? Obedience is better than sacrifice. It's true. Sometimes your obedience might feel like a sacrifice to you, but can I let you in on a little secret? There's nothing that God will ask of you that is not ultimately in your best interest because he loves you and he only wants good things for your life. Friends, the future is bright and it's only going to get brighter the more we learn to repent and believe, admit and receive and trust and obey him. Maybe you've been watching or listening to this message today and God has gripped your heart. Maybe you're ready to repent and believe the good news about this kingdom we've been talking about right now. Maybe you're ready to admit that you need the help of his Holy Spirit. And maybe God's asking you to obey him in some areas that you've been ignoring or hoping that somehow he won't notice. In all ways, we are a people that believe in the power of prayer. And so I wanna invite you to personally pray this simple yet profound prayer with me. And it goes like this, Jesus, Savior, save me. Save me from myself, save me from all the things that keep me bound. I believe and confess that you are the son of God. I believe that you died on that cross and that God raised you to life again. Jesus, I ask that you would give me a new life of freedom and hope in you. Come fill me with your Holy Spirit and make all things new in Jesus' name. And if you just prayed that with us, we want to know about your decision today. For those that said yes to Jesus for the very first time, we want to say welcome to the family and we'd love to help you get connected either here at Courageous Church or wherever you're watching from. Or maybe you recommitted your life to Christ today or asked for the help of the Holy Spirit to come for the very first time. Either way, we'd love to help you. And here's how. You can go to CourageousChurch.com to fill out a digital connect card. This will help our team know how to best follow up with you and pray for you in the days ahead. We also want to come alongside you as you begin your new faith journey. We'd love to send you a Bible and help you take some next steps. We've got resources that we want to put in your hands. And for those of you that are local, Due to rain and weather this weekend, 
We'll not be outside, but we'll be gathering at our prayer room at 9550 South State Street in Sandy. So for all of you that just made a decision for Christ and for our church family, we'd love for you to come join us this Sunday at the same spot. We actually have a prayer night going on this Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. where we come together to passionately pray for our church and our families and our city and our nation. As always, if Courageous Church is your home church, we want to remind you to honor God with your giving. Your generosity, it allows us to reach many with the hope, healing, courage, and life of God. It allows us to advance God's good mission and His gospel and this kingdom that we've been talking about for all the people of Salt Lake City, the Mountain West, yeah, and even beyond. So if you want to be a part of what God's doing with this church to make a huge difference, you can use one of the links that we've posted right there in the, se- the comment section or just head on over to CourageousChurch.com slash giving to give online. I want you to know that we love you. We are praying for you. You are God's masterpiece. You're his best. So remember, and until next time, be strong and be courageous. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.